Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Tervita Third Quarter Results Conference Call. At this time, all lines are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you need assistance, please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on October 30th, 2020. I would now like to turn the conference over to John Cooper, President and CEO. Please go ahead. Thank you, Joanna, and welcome everyone to Tervita's conference call for the third quarter of 2020. We do hope everyone is safe and well, and today as a result of our office staff working from home in response to COVID-19, we come to you not from a conference room, but instead from each one of our homes. We hope we do not have technical issues, but if we do, please bear with us. Uh, joining me on the call today is Linda Dietschy, our Chief Financial Officer, and Rob Dawson, our Executive Vice President of Strategy and Corporate Development. During the call today, we will make forward-looking statements related to future performance, and we will refer to certain financial measures that do not have any standardized meaning prescribed by GAAP. Forward-looking statements reflect the current views of Tervita, with respect to future events and are based on certain key expectations and assumptions considered reasonable by Tervita. Since forward-looking information address future events and conditions, by their very nature, they involve inherent risks and uncertainties, and actual results could differ materially from those anticipated due to numerous factors and risks. Please refer to our continuous disclosure documents as they identify factors which may cause actual results to differ from any forward-looking statements and identify and define the non-GAAP measures. Well, this morning we will review our results for Q3 2020, followed by an update on our near-term outlook. Before getting into our results, first and foremost, I am happy to say that all of our traditions continue to remain safe and healthy. As we informed you last week, we are pleased with Tervita's third quarter results, which underscore the benefits of an energy services production-based exposure and the diversification provided by industrial services, as well as our continued focus on driving efficiencies and costs in the business. Our aggressive cost control measures actioned earlier in the year in response to the pandemic and changing oil price environment allowed us to preserve adjusted EBITDA margin, excluding the Canadian Age Emergency Wage Subsidy at 34%, despite a decrease in revenue. Along with our solid results, we achieved another milestone this quarter with the release of our inaugural sustainability report highlighting our accomplishments in 2019. While this is our first report, Sustainability has always been an integral part of our business. Some of the accomplishments from last year highlighted in the report include achieving a lost time in injury frequency of zero for the first time in 11 years, reducing fugitive emissions by 67% by implementing 
immediate corrective actions where possible, returning 78% of water withdrawn to the watershed as part of our water management program, increasing our year-over-year -year spending with Indigenous-owned businesses by over 70% to $3.5 million, implementing an engaging manager program to further develop and invest in our employees, and finally increasing the percentage of women in leadership to 30%. Not only do we strive for sustainable performance in our operations, we are also a dedicated sustainability partner to our customers, working to reduce environmental impact while maximizing the value of resources recovered. Some of the services completed for our customers in 2019 include recovering more than 8 million barrels of pipeline spec crude oil from customer waste, avoiding the use of more than 35,000 cubic meters of fresh water through the reuse of leachate, recycling more than 95,000 tons of scrap metal, and planting over 27,000 trees to help customers meet their reclamation and remediation goals. We recognize that an ESG strategy and associated targets are fundamental to our journey and reporting process. Therefore, we are committed to continue to enhance our disclosure and targets in future reports. At Servita, we believe sustainability is an opportunity to create long-term value for all stakeholders and to foster longevity for our company. So now, Linda will walk us through the key highlights from our Q3 results, then Rob will review our capital program and liquidity, and finally, I will move into our outlook for the remainder of the year. Linda? Thanks, John. As John noted, we are proud of our Q3 results as they demonstrate the resiliency of our business against the backdrop of the current market environment. Our continued focus on profitability, market share growth, and cost management was evidenced in our results. Adjusted EBITDA for the third quarter of 56 million was down only 14% from prior year, while oil price and activity declines ranged from 30 to 70%. Adjusted EBITDA also improved 24% from Q2 2020, which reflects the steady return of oil production volumes previously shut in during the second quarter. In energy services, revenue excluding energy marketing and divisional EBITDA decreased by 36% and 30% from Q3 of the prior year to 76 million and 44 million respectively. Results were driven by decreased drilling, production, and marketed oil volumes, and the exit from our U.S.-based operations. However, divisional EBITDA margin increased 5 percentage points to 58% due to our strategic cost optimization initiatives and returns from growth capital investments. In industrial services, revenue of 56 million and divisional EBITDA of 11 million decreased 25% and 15% from the prior year, respectively, driven by lower project activity in Alberta and ferrous metal volumes. This was partially offset by the continued benefit of business optimization and cost savings initiatives. Divisional EBITDA margin improved by three percentage points to 20% despite the decrease in revenue. In the quarter, we participated in the CEWS program that the federal government introduced to help employers protect jobs. Trivita recognized $11 million of benefit related to the program in the third quarter for a total of $25 million year-to-date. 
We continue to monitor our eligibility for funding under the program, which was re recently extended to the summer of 2021. Following the onset of the pandemic and the decline in commodity prices earlier this year, we took immediate action to reduce costs and to preserve our financial position. We expect these actions to decrease structural costs by approximately $32 million on an annualized basis, with approximately $23 million expected this year. These structural actions include items such as employee headcount reductions and location optimization throughout our network. We also implemented multiple actions to drive in-year savings, including reductions to the Board of Directors cash retainer and executive leadership team salaries, as well as reducing discretionary spending. I will now pass it on to Rob to discuss our capital program and liquidity position. Thank you, Linda. Um, with respect to the capital program, uh, we spent $11 million in the third quarter, bringing annual year-to-date spending to $44 million. Spending has been, been primarily directed at the completion of our pipeline connected water disposal facility in the first uh, four months of the year, as well as increasing disposal wall capacity in other regions, increasing our blending capabilities and expanding existing landfills. Importantly, we have started to build additional sludge pad, waste transfer station, and related infrastructure in Manitoba and British Columbia in support of our industrial services business, as well as the purchase of industrial equipment in support of incremental long-term contracts in the same business. We remain on track with our 2020 capital plan of $60 million, and we expect that our 2020 maintenance capital will still be $25 million, approximately half of our 2020 growth and expansion budget has been largely directed to the completion of expected high return, high impact carryover projects initiated in 2019, including the aforementioned Montney Water Disposal Facility, which has been in operation since the end of the first quarter and has played a big part in our capturing market share as measured by third-party water injection. We have also spent a modest amount towards targeted high return growth projects within the industrial service business, as mentioned, and we have reduced costs and continue to maintain financial discipline while also ensuring we are positioned to capitalize on opportunities to deploy growth capital when and if they arise. Servita continues to work with our customers to meet their needs in a time of tight capital discipline and further assist them in maximizing the value they receive from our services. We continue to have a pipeline of opportunities available and in the current market environment have paused new growth projects to focus on maintaining our strong liquidity position. However, we will continue to actively look for ways to support our competitive strategy, including increasing market share and growth within industrial services. Looking forward, we will continue to monitor activity levels as the year progresses and revise our capital plan accordingly. With respect to liquidity, we remain very focused on financial discipline and balance sheet strength, as we always have been. We ended the third quarter with liquidity of $267 million of cash and unutilized capacity on our credit facility, an increase from the beginning of the year. In response to the economic conditions earlier in the year, as John has mentioned, we implemented numerous cash preservation measures and cost reductions, which have materially enhanced our already strong resiliency positioned us well to manage through this downturn and also capture additional market um, <clears throat> share and value in the market recovery. 
We expect these cultural, these structural savings will generate approximately $32 million of annualized cost savings. We continue to relentlessly review our costs and will continue to execute opportunities to reduce costs and improve efficiencies. Through the third quarter, net debt fell to $722 million, resulting in a net debt to adjusted EBITDA ratio of 3.4. Our net debt fell by $42 million from the end of the second quarter as free cash flow generated in Q3 allowed us to repay the $15 million draw on our credit facility and see cash balances rise $21 million to the current $52 million. Our credit facility is fully undrawn. During the third quarter, we also exited our operations in the United States and sold the remaining assets related to that business. While our operations in the United States were not large, importantly, this is an example of our continued focus on capital efficiency and ensuring that all of our businesses and service lines continue to provide net cash flow to Dirk Vita through the full economic cycle. We recently announced that we have received commitments to increase our credit facility to $350 million and extend the maturity to two years from the effective date of the amended and restated credit facility, subject to the completion of the refinancing of our senior notes. Our senior debt is not due until December 2021, and we are actively pursuing options to address the refinancing. We remain confident that we'll be able to address this refinancing well before its maturity and that we will continue to live within cash flow and remain within our covenant thresholds. I will now turn it back to John to talk about our outlook for 2020 and 2021. Thanks, Rob. Um, well, the solid performance we saw in the third quarter demonstrates the strength of our resilient business model, and we remain well positioned for success as the economy continues to recover. Looking ahead, we expect this positive momentum to continue. We recently announced our guidance for the remainder of 2020 and our expectations for 2021. Our outlook for 2020 is adjusted EBITDA of $210 million, inclusive of $27 million of wage subsidy support, as we expect the strength exhibited by both our energy services and industrial service business segments to continue into the fourth quarter. Our energy service business remains strongly underpinned by ongoing production in the waste base in, in Western Canada, which has recovered with the majority of shut-in volumes having since been returned. Our industrial service business, which is less exposed to the upstream oil and gas industry, continues to provide strength through non-energy diversification. This year, we have proven our agility to respond to the market and adapt our business to keep our people safe, reduce costs, capture market share, and protect liquidity. Looking forward to 2021, we expect our strong performance to continue. Assuming the current economic environment and the continued improvement in oil and gas, general economic activity, and industrial activity, we anticipate our adjusted EBITDA will exceed 2020, excluding Hughes. We expect the growth in our profitability to be largely driven by the strategic steps that were taken this year to streamline and right-size the business in alignment with our priority of being the top choice service provider. Some of the actions that we expect to drive our growth include the full year benefit from the approximate 32 million 
of structural cost savings initiatives we instituted immediately in response to the downturn. The continued benefit of the commercial, organizational, and cost strategies implemented within our industrial service business segment, and a full year of operations at our pipeline-connected Montney Water Disposal Facility that has been fully operational since serving producers uh, since Q1 of this year. Also, we will continue to implement our continuous running the business better strategies, looking for and ex executing on opportunities to reduce costs, improve efficiencies, and ensure all open and operating facilities are generating positive cash flow. Lastly, and very importantly, I would like to take the opportunity to again thank our employees for their extraordinary efforts and dedication. I am very proud of our team and how they have demonstrated resiliency and adaptability through these times. So that concludes our prepared remarks. We would be happy now to take some questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. And the first question comes from Matthew Weeks at Industrial Alliance. Please go ahead. Good morning. Morning. Uh, so my first question relates to the, the net debt. And it said in your disclosures that you're expecting net debt to remain uh, relatively flat through the remainder uh, of the year after the, the free cash flow and, and the pay down uh, that was able to occur in the third quarter. Uh, is part of this due to uh, a reinvestment in, in working capital? And if so, is, um, is this due to you seeing more uh, customer inquiries as uh, macroeconomic conditions improve here? Um, well, good question. Um, yeah, yes, it is part of the working, it will be part of the, uh, the rationale would be part of the working capital thing, but it's not just that. Uh, our cost reductions that we put into place also helps that. And then the outlook that we saw and the continued improvement in Q3 kind of all combined for us to kind of conclude that, that, uh, that that's the direction we'll be taking. Rob or, or Linda, anything you wanted to add to that? Uh, in, in, in particular, I think the one, it's just a, a standard thing is our interest payment on our high yield notes is due um, June 1st and December 1st. Um, so that's the main reason, you know, absent that we'd be generating free cash flow. Okay, I see. Thank you. Um, looking at uh, uh, next year, uh, first I wanted to ask about, uh, you know, if you're able to provide any sort of preliminary uh, CapEx numbers. I know most of the growth CapEx in 2020 was uh, carryover stuff. So without that, uh, going into next year, um, do you expect the 2021 budget will be a lot closer to a maintenance number sort of in that $25 million range? Yes, John here. Um, we haven't um, uh, provided any detail or guidance on our capital program for next year, although you're, you're, you're right on in uh, assuming our maintenance capital will be around that 25, you know, the $30 million range. I mean, 
we're, we consider ourselves very prudent sort of financial and capital discipline managers. I mean, uh, in this environment, making sure the balance sheet achieves object, the, the objectives that we want to will be a high focus. At the same time, we need to be flexible, and if there's extraordinary opportunities for growth capital that exceed all hurdle rates and exceed the math, if I could put it that way, of balance sheet deleveraging, we want to have the flexibility of doing that. But we haven't concluded our um, outlook for um, capital in terms of uh, outside of maintenance for next year as of yet. Okay, thank you. So at this point, um, would you would you more or less characterize it as sort of uh, that maintenance in the 25 to $30 million range and then maybe upside to the budget for uh, targeted high return projects, probably focused in the industrial services division? That's fair, yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, I'll just ask one more question uh, here and uh, just sort of trying to set some goalposts for uh, 2021. And, uh, you know, you guys have provided guidance that it's going to be uh, an improvement over 2020 when you exclude queues. So if I take the 27 away from 210 this year, get to 183, add in an incremental 9 million in the cost savings that aren't going to be realized this year. I get to basically a floor of about 192 million in adjusted EBITDA uh, for 2021. Um, do you think, as far as the ceiling goes, if conditions improve the way they are, if we see a bit of an improvement in drilling, most of production come back online by that point, do you think results next year could be uh, the same or better than this year, including queues? Um, well, your math there was correct. Uh, a couple things we would add to that, um, you know, I guess there's a continued ongoing work that we've done in our industrial service business, um, including uh, taking advantage of the orphan well programs that we see as upside more into 2021 and into 2022. Um, you know, there's a full year, kind of a quarter of the Montney water projects, and of course the cost savings which this year in that $23 million range and next year probably 32. But, you know, Turbita in its DNA has always been efficient and always looking at improving market share and cost efficiencies, you know. So there, I guess we would sort of say to, to respond to your uh, inquiry there that there is upside given if we continue to see the building strength in the economy for industrial services and in the production levels that we have seen continue. That, okay, that thanks very much. Well, sir. Yeah. Okay. It does. Thank, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you taking my questions. I'll turn it back. Thank you. The next question comes from Aaron McNeil at TD Securities. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning all. Thanks uh, for your time. You've referenced looking for opportunities to further reduce costs in the prepared remarks. And I guess I would have thought that you were already running fairly lean. Um, can you maybe share with us what types of opportunities are still available in the company and, and what the magnitude might be? Um, hi, Aaron, it's John. Um, well, uh, it's part of it. We call it running the business better. It's kind of our, our overall efficiencies and, and um, those sort of things. There are some kind of commercial strategies in that that we think are unique and we kind of want to keep it, uh, you know, quiet if I could put it that way. But, you know, so um, 
uh, you know, we're always looking at things. So, like in the third quarter, we, as an example, just to help you there, we we, we uh, exited the U.S. And although it wasn't really material to our business, it just our assets become more and more um, uh, higher return on capital employed and better utilized. So we we are always looking at those types of thing, uh, ideas and strategies in combining the industrial service and energy. So. You know, Aaron, we really don't have any specifics to give to you, but, you know, we do know that uh, we continue to work on those uh, items. Rob or Linda, did you want to add? Can you give Aaron any more color than that? <laughs> you know, Aaron, I, I think the, the comment that we're, we're not yet at the point of diminishing returns, but we'd say, you know, all the all the dramatic changes in costs have occurred. So from... 2014, 215 million a GNA. 2016, 100 million a GNA. This year, less than 40. We're in the 40 range. Um, you know, obviously, you're going to find less opportunities, um, but we're still relatively, from a system standpoint and a back office standpoint, relatively um, in different swim lanes. We've got a number of different systems that can be combined. And we're just starting into the uh, the development of uh, the availability of technology, digitization, AI, and those things to help, you know, not only our operations um, um, pre, uh, um, you know, pre maintenance programs and those sorts of things, and and you know, while they're going to be a, a probably a little more complicated to achieve than just uh, taking costs out that you're currently spending. You know, we think that's definitely the journey we're going to be going on for the next several years, and we're very confident that it's continued to enhance either margin or the customer service uh, um, and customer delivery experience. Okay. Uh, so just to make sure I'm interpreting what you guys said correctly, um, lots of the, the, the bigger cuts uh, have already occurred, but there's some opportunities with, with uh, systems and IT and maybe an ERP system or something like that. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you've, can you give us a bit of an update on where you guys are at on the well abandonment and uh, site rehabilitation program and how that might impact you in the coming quarters? Yeah, Aaron, it's John here. So um, I, the first thing is the whole program is a benefit to Tervita and the services that we provide. Um, we have got some, you know, work and revenue and earnings this year, but it has not, um, uh, it's been um, modest. We believe that um, uh, the majority of the work will begin to benefit us uh, in 2021 and into 2022. Um, you know, the services that we benefit from uh, range from environmental consulting, reclamation, remediation, um, you know, metals recycling with pipe out of the ground, and disposals into our landfill. We've got the la largest landfill portfolio of anybody across uh, Western Canada, so we, we think it'll benefit that. Uh, we have a dedicated team that's um, focused on, on this opportunity. Um, you know, we are uh, associate creditor through the BC Oil and Gas Commission, and we just recently became a prime contractor through Saskatchewan's Accelerated Site Closure Program. Um, so, you know, there's going to be very good benefits from us for funding this program in 2021 and 2022 as we see, see our customers move forward, uh, you know, getting at this program. It was 
it was slower out of the start as um, the process uh, got going through the governments and with our customers. There's, um, but now it's starting to take a little more, little more uh, firmness, and and the outlook looks very good. So we're we're, we're this is a good opportunity for us. Final question for me. You, you've taken some steps recently that might or could be interpreted as moving towards a refinancing event for your notes. And I, I know there's only so much you can say, but you know, with the notes becoming current, I, I think on December 1st, can you give us a sense of where credit markets are at today? And if you think there's an opening potentially for you to refinance in the near term? Yeah, it's John. Well, Rob, you want to try that and I can edit in after. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the question, Aaron. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, your sleuthing ability is is still very, very good. We are um, taking steps to put us in a position to be refinancing the notes, um, you know, in a way that uh, maximizes, um, you know, the opportunity for us to continue to to drive value for our stakeholders and customers. Um, you know, we we've been in you know, I guess extended conversations with many of our note holders and new markets and similar to the banks, we are finding um, successfully new money coming into the notes. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think just stay tuned is, 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 the, is the answer. We're just going to, um, you know, be waiting for um, good market conditions. And by good market conditions, I mean, you know, conditions that have continually improved and shown us the ability to hit the market over the last several months. So, um, you know, there might be a little bit of volatility here for a little bit uh, with the U.S. election um, coming next week. But other than that, I would just say stay tuned. Okay. Thanks. Uh, that's all for me. I'll turn it over. Thank you. The next question comes from Cole Pereira at Stifle. Please go ahead. Hey, uh, morning, guys. Uh, so Good obviously, uh, free, free cash flow remains a big focus in 2021. Um, but on a longer-term basis, can you kind of talk about what growth opportunities you might see in the industrial service business and what pursuit of that might look like? Would it be just kind of the purchase of more equipment as uh, Rob touched on? Yeah, it's John here. Um, yeah, we see um, very good opportunities to grow our industrial service segments. Uh, it, it, you know, it's comprised of, of numerous um, synergistic segments to it, waste and water and environmental services. So there's a couple of things. Um, there's continuing to expand our services across the geographic platform that we compete in. Um, and so we work with customers and we work with the areas to expand that. We highlighted a couple, like the example in Winnipeg. Um, we see ourselves expanding and diversifying outside um, um, the service uh, space and looking at other areas to to work through. The Orphan Well program would have a contribution there. And, you know, pending um, cash flow needs and um, financial modeling, we'd look at Tuckins. The, the, the market for industrial services is uh, very, very fragmented. Uh, lots of competitors, um, no one large one in the, in the market, set for perhaps ourselves. So that would be that would be the goal. That's a longer term goal. But we will continue to aggressively defend our energy waste business and look at the opportunities there as well. So does that provide you with some um, response there? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's great uh, color. That's all for me, guys. I'll uh, turn it back. Thanks. 
Thank you. The next question comes from Tim Monticello at ATP Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, everyone. I tell you, you got to be, uh, you got to have some fast fingers on these calls. Um, all my questions have almost been answered here. Um, just a couple <laughs> follow-ups, I guess. Uh, on the well abandonment site rehabilitation program, we've seen some other guys in the industry come out and and talk about um, activities sort of ramping up in the back half of Q3 and into Q4, and you sort of alluded to that as well, that it's starting to come through. Do you think this could be a material number in Q4? And, you know, is there any sort of quantitative guidance that you could provide to, you know, what the impact range could be to 2021? Well, no, we're not going to provide uh, any, you know, uh, quantitative numbers for it, but it's just the overall program is about $1.7 billion, and less than half of it, we think, $700 million applies to the services that we we offer to Vita. So that mm-hmm. kind of gives you a, a sort of an overall macro view. I mean, that's 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 our internal work and what we uh, think. I mean, we have seen some business come in this year, but being with our uh, disposal network, we think most of the value for us would be at the tail end of the process. So that's why we think of it in 2021 and 2022. Okay. Uh, fair enough. In terms of the U.S. business divestiture, is it um, a fair assumption that that was, you know, probably cash flow negative or cash flow neutral to the business in, in the first half of 2020? Yes. So so taking that out of the p- portfolio, do you think that that's accretive to, uh, to cash flow? Yes. Okay. Um, and then lastly, I was just wondering if you could give a bit of a more um, detailed overview of the industrial services outlook, sort of maybe by like a business line or something for 2021, just give us a little bit of perspective on where you might see the challenges, where you might see the growth in that portfolio as it stands today. Okay. Um, Rob, do you want to pack this one? You know, we, we, we report three, three basic, um, you know, revenue categories there and they're, they're quite different in both their commercial structure and their attachment to our facilities. So the first is our environmental services business, which is largely project-based. And uh, I think earlier this year, you know, for two reasons, one was the unintended consequence of a number of reclamation and remediation projects being put on hold um, just because they're waiting to see what the government, uh, um, the government subsidy uh, was going to look and feel like those are starting up again, but I would say that business, you know, we'll see a small increase in revenue in that business, I'd say, and it's growing somewhat, but it's, it remains a uh, core business, but I wouldn't say it's going to be the big, the big uh, adder of activity for us. Um, our, our waste services business, which is anchored, um, you know, two transfer stations, sludge pads, um, and, and I think small, small capital, um, but but facilities based. That's the business where we're seeing a lot of opportunity. Um, we can consolidate operations closer to uh, waste sources, so work on margin. Um, right now, that business is centered at least in, in Western Canada for us, in the Lower Mainland and in and in Edmonton. And uh, you know we're looking for for other sublocations to to improve on our logistics costs, but also to expand our market reach in those areas where. Uh, or a haul to either um, Richmond or to 
we're too uh, Edmonton is too long for us to adequately serve that market. It's a niche market, and we feel we have a good, a good, a good, uh, a good uh, product offering there. Customers are are getting it, particularly these long-term bin contracts. I think we're we're, we're starting to capture a lot of them, um, you know, more so than we did a few years ago. So that business, again, is doing quite well and should be a, a pretty good source of growth. Um, metals, um, metals is uh, more GDP based. I would say there there is some commodity price exposure, um, but not as much as you would think because we can manage commodity exposure through uh, efficiently managing our inventory levels and also being proactive with the cost that we purchase um, that metal for. Importantly, our rail services business there has been growing, um, you know, very ably over the last three years, including this year with growth this year. Um, and that's a good source of metal, and it complements that business very well. And it's an example of the additional service lines that we'd be looking to get into, ones where, um, ones where, we. Uh, I'm sorry, my son just uh, came in here to bother me. Everybody, apologies. Um, ones where we uh, we can add lines that complement our fixed facility network. So. Um, we see very good opportunity in the uh, growing natural gas regions in northeastern BC, um, down in the LNG Canada regions and Terrace and and in uh, and in Kitimat, as well as moving eastward into Saskatchewan and Winnipeg geographically with our current service lines, um, where you know not only are the markets more stable there, but in Manitoba in particular and in and in the central western part of BC economic growth is quite robust and our and our service lines are are, are quite matched um, to some of the needs of our customers in those areas um, so we're excited about it okay yeah no that's uh that's really helpful uh, I guess I have one follow-up question to that then you had mentioned in the prepared remarks or John had um, that Q4 capital budget is going to be sort of focused on it um, growing within I guess the waste management business, mostly in the industrial services segment with some additions of uh, sludge pads and, and whatnot. In terms of growth CapEx for 2021, and I understand you guys are still working through that process, is that uh, there a continuation of what you're seeing in Q4 likely to be where um, most of the opportunities would be for organic growth in, in 2021? It's uh, yeah, it's John here. I mean, directionally that's correct, but you don't. We don't want to put ourselves in a box if a wonderful opportunity comes along in the waste energy side. But you know, directionally that's the that's correct. Okay, great. I'll turn it back. You know, I, Tim, I think we should also like uh, we are talking about opportunity and growth here a fair bit, but I don't want to underemphasize the focus yeah. we're going to have on delevering. Um, we generate a significant amount of discretionary free cash flow, and on the margin, I would say our focus is going to be putting, you know, money against the balance sheet. There are opportunities that we have, and you know, those industrial ones you mentioned there are actually quite low. They're in the low single-digit million uh, capital costs, so they have a higher impact. That business is a lower margin business, obviously, but the returns on capital are very good. Um, and the capital spend is a lot uh, simpler, easier to manage, and and lower on an absolute basis. And then to John's point, there are or there may be you know smaller, more high impact capital opportunities available in energy waste. But for the most part, we are very focused on delevering and making sure our balance sheet um, puts us in a position to be on our you know on the front on the front toes rather than on our on our heels. That's great. Thanks a lot. Thank you. The next question comes from Jeff Federley at Peterson Company. Please go ahead. Good morning. 
morning, everyone. Just a couple quick follow-up questions. The CapEx side for this year, with $44 million spent year-to-date uh, and your 60 budget, is $60 million the high end of what you think you'll spend, or are there some lumpy things coming in Q4? Well, hi, Jeff. It's John. Um, yeah, I think it may be slightly more than 60, but not not materially. I'll just double check that with Rob and Linda to make sure that's correct. I, I, I'd say we're going to like likely hit 60, Jeff. Um, if anything, we've got a pretty aggressive maintenance program uh, in Q4, so you know that might not get fully completed. Um, I guess importantly, and and not and not typically. We drilled a well in, uh, at one of our facilities um, that was very successful, actually, but we drilled it and completed it in 2019. We deferred the tie-in of that well um, and for yeah. um, seasonal problems, but the tie-in of that well is now underway now that the conditions are such you can get back in there. Um, so there's a little bit of elevated spending on that well tie-in, but we would classify as, as growth because it's expanding the capacity of that facility. Um, but yeah, so I think 60 is a good number. Yeah. And the, the, the 25 million of maintenance capital guidance, does that include abandonment and reclamation spending for this year and for next year? No. Rob, you want to? No, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. No. You know, reclamation spending this year will be five. So we're looking at 65 total. And, uh, you know, generally we, we uh, cap a cell as we build the new one, um, just to ensure that our open air space remains constant. So that's the the primary. We we reclaim the odd well, but quite quite frankly, most of our wells, you know, we we operate our wells conservatively and very effectively, such that we've we've had very few, if any, uh, um, you know, unplanned closures of wells that we've needed to reclaim. So principally, it's mostly on the landfill side that we're spending reclamation dollars on a regular basis. And is the expectation in 2021 in that, uh, that you'll, your reclamation and abandonment spending will be similar to what you're allocating this year? Yeah, I mean, uh, every year there it's lumpy, obviously, because it depends on the, the topography, the size of the cell, and the number of cells you're, you're working on. Um, but yeah, you know, we've always guided, you know, reclamation spending to approximate the amortization that we're seeing running through our P&L. It's very difficult, you know, even if you're um, intimately familiar with the accounting to figure that out just by looking at the financial statements. So the cash spend, which is a deduction from cash flow from operations, and is why we focus on discretionary free cash flow, which is net of that number, um, is, uh, you know, five to 10 million would be our average spend over time. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the range that we are comfortable yep. in talking yep. about. There is some discretion there. I mean, if there's significant duress, um, you know, we can yeah. always uh, manage that within reason. And just a clarification on the U.S. side, um, were the disposition proceeds included in Q3? Huh, I can't. Uh, yes. Linda, we're, Q2, yeah, Q2 we're, and 3. Yeah, it was yeah. Q2 and Q3. Um, and we, we started in the second quarter and finished in the third. Yeah. Okay. And so you, you can you can interpolate from us not having press release that, that it wasn't material. Yeah. And so the cost savings that are 
as a result of selling and shutting down the U.S. business. Is that included in the annualized number that you've talked about, or would it be incremental to that? No, it's it's generally included in it, Jeff. Great. Thanks that for the business will. Well, it, that business was losing a very small amount of money, so net net, it's not a big impact. Yeah, and and okay. and the cost savings were included net, not gross, because the revenues went away as well. Right. Great. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the color. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. As a reminder, should you have any questions, please press star one. And the next question comes from John Gibson at BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Morning. Um, just to start off here, do you share the outlook that WCS differentials could tighten into 2021? And can you maybe talk about how, how this impacts your energy marketing business? Rob, you want to? No, I can add. You know, they're already pretty tight. Um, you can see it's more of a pipeline net back. We don't see it widening structurally just because of the, you know, we think with most of the supply to come back online, which we do expect to come back online, is, is heavy, um, but there's pipeline capacity there to take it up. Um, I think you're speaking to that, that sort of sucking sound we hear from the Gulf Coast where there's a big uh, absence of heavy oil. Um, we saw Repsol is looking for a couple million barrels of heavy. Um, there's other people willing to take long-term committed contracts uh, for producers in Canada. Um, so Canadian heavy oil and oil sands is, is in high demand. The pots and pans down the Gulf Coast and then, you know, pad three and two are very um, geared towards processing heavy oil. And so that's a very strong um, fundamental market for that business to be in. So, um, yeah, I'd say we our expectation is for those differentials to remain relatively tight. I don't know if they'll, you know, go up or down. It's pretty hard to, to make even just a WTI forecast, let alone all the dif different differentials. But the impact on our on our uh, our marketing businesses, you know, we'll do with our blending and arbitrage business and, and energy marketing and the margins that that might create is, is relatively stable. Um, what's important is margin. And I think what that tight tight uh, differential does is it, it adds demand um, for heavy oil to remain producing um, principally as a direct result and then as an indirect result um, the condensate uh, needed to blend that so that it can run in a pipeline um, will also remain um, relatively robust on the demand side. So in the liquid-rich uh, fairway, you know, of the Montney there and the South GP, um, where the, you know, the tier one, tier one acreage is still very economic at these prices and even lower. So, and, and I think importantly, um, Tervita has got really good exposure to both of those phenomenon. And our energy marketing business is connected into all of the different regions equally, um, equal, you know, in proportion to the level of production from the basin. So the energy marketing business is able to be very uh, flexible in where value is and, and move its move its purchases and blending into that direction. Um, so it's a very resilient business, and it's the advantage we have from having broad-based facilities across the entire basin. And, and no real over-focus in certain areas. Um, okay, yeah, and the only thing, question, John. Yeah, the, the only thing I would add to all that is, you know, we now have uh, 22 pipeline-connected TRD facilities 
And, you know, that, that diversity of network allows us to leverage multiple different price scenarios um, to the, kind of the arbitraging comment that Rob made. So. Okay, great. Uh, thanks for that. Um, second one, I'm just wondering what your outlook for drilling activity is into next year. I know it's a bit of uh, an unknown right now, but I'm just wondering if you're building much of an increase into your guidance next year or is, you know, incremental activity from here just kind of upside? Yes, John here. Um, like our, our our thinking forecast from the drilling side from for next year is really it's a modest increase from this year, but uh, so really kind of current conditions is how we would okay. how we would phrase it. Okay, great. I, I know we've harped on this a bit, but I'm just wondering um, again, sort of into your guidance next year. I'm just wondering how much uh, potential well abandonment work have you built in and um, you know, I guess lastly, what areas are you seeing most of it? If you could provide maybe a bit of a split between Alberta, BC, and Saskatchewan. Yeah, the majority will be in Alberta, uh, although we are seeing uh, benefits in the other two provinces, but the majority of it will be value generated in Alberta. Um, you know, I guess we would say that, um, you know, it is built in slightly to, to uh, next year, but we because of the unpredictability of job awards in the process, not much to date. Okay, great. Uh, thanks a lot. I'll turn it back. Thanks. Thank you. And the next question comes from Keith Mackey at RBC. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Just a question. We've seen um, some consolidation, to say the least, in Western Canada, amongst the uh, you know, amongst the producers uh, lately, and just curious as um, as to whether you've done any work on on how that might affect your customer base um, as as the you know industry consolidates and any potential potential consolidation that we might see. Yeah, it's John here. I mean, we're always looking at that, and we're always um, trying to position ourselves uh, properly in the market with the with the customers that uh, would will, will quote unquote survive in these in these times, um, so basically um, our view is, for instance, the recent Sonovas and Husky uh, one we we view as a net positive to the industry as whole, healthier com companies, um, uh, more uh, stronger balance sheet companies, which would help us in our programs, um, you know, going forward and working with them. Got it. Okay, that's helpful. And then uh, last question for me, uh, is it safe to assume that your capital guidance for next year is contingent upon, or, or, or maybe I'll ask it this way, the change in capital guidance or variation from spending 25 to 30 million of maintenance, would we expect that number to be materially different um, if we see a debt refinancing sooner rather than later, or is your your spending really independent of what you're you're planning on that side? Well, in regards to maintenance capital and ARO spending, uh, it would not be impacted. Those ranges that we provided, they, they stay pretty constant. There is some slight fluctuations, but you know they're pretty constant. The maintenance and the ARO spending, so they wouldn't be impacted by any uh, financing outcomes. It's really the 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 the, um, the math 
on the financing that are relying to our growth uh, uh, projects and outlook, and of course the, the focus on um, managing our balance sheet um, and, and achieving those longer-term objectives that we set back in 2017 is, is a priority, and we're not going to lose sight of that. So. Got it. There so, you go. So if we see a if we see a refinancing, we it's kind of safe to say we might see some more growth capex, but still still a focus on on debt repayment. So it's a matter of a matter of allocation between of free cash flow between those those objectives. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Thanks for the call. That's it for me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. There are no further questions. I will now turn it back over for closing comments. Well, um, thank you everyone for being on the conference call today. Uh, just a note, a uh, tape broadcast of this is available on our Tervita website. We uh, look forward to providing you with updates on our performance after the completion of the fourth quarter of 2020. Please be safe and healthy everybody and thanks for dialing in. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.